Hey guys, this is Brett. If you're wondering what's been going on with the show, well, we've had a lot of changes in our team's personal lives this year. Our families are growing, our jobs are changing for the better, and some of us are moving across the country and others are in the process of buying new homes. We don't want you to think we're going away and don't want you to think we don't care about making new content for our fans. We love you guys and you're the reason we keep doing what we're doing. Stay tuned and give us a little time because we've got some amazing content still to come. Once our lives calm down a little bit, you're going to get even better content because we're going to have even more time to produce even better quality stuff, including audiobooks, videos for our YouTube, and new adventures into pop culture. This is going to be our biggest year ever, both personally and professionally. Well, if you can consider what we do here as a profession. back ladies and gentlemen to the latest and greatest installment of what are we calling this thing it's got like 10 different names it depends on what day of the week it is i don't know i don't know well anyway this is about fucking sabrina everybody i hope you guys are ready deep spooking deep spooking with brett and nick talking about the chilling adventures of sabrina oh yeah we got a lot of feedback about how great our first two episodes were because brett and nick have a lot of opinions on pop culture yeah yeah this works out pretty well so my mom loved it yeah my mom did too even though she hasn't (laughs) watched sabrina but she tells me i'm handsome so i hope you guys are ready because we've got a lot of opinions uh i know this is coming to you probably a little bit late because uh this is about the solstice episode and we did promise that we were going to drop this so we figured why not you know what who doesn't love talking about the winter solstice sometime in the early spring maybe summer by the time this comes out but hey who cares Guess what? If it comes out in the summer, you just got a couple more months till a new season of Sabrina comes out anyway. Literally, the magic keeps rolling. It's There's never a bad time for this. I agree. And guess what? Streaming culture means that it's always available, and you can go watch it right now if you want. You probably already saw it over the holiday season, but you know what? Take a listen to this, then go back and watch it, because I'm sure you're going to have a couple takeaways from it that are at least somewhat new. Actually, you know what? The remaining nine episodes of the first season are actually coming out on April 5th, so we're right on the money oh, for once. Oh, shit. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, man. This is going to be good. <laughs> so, by the way, redact all that. You're welcome for this coming out when it did. It's just going to be a log, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. So, uh, with the wave of new Sabrina content coming... You can just be rest assured there's probably going to be two, maybe three. Who knows? Four. We're just changing this. this. Welcome to Sabrina Cast. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so We did enough states. Nobody cares about the middle ones. Uh-huh, no We're going to throw California in there. Blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh. Lake Tahoe, spooky people. Yep, All right, exactly. Sabrina. Sabrina, back to the content that our <laughs> listeners really care about, which is what Nick and Brett think about Sabrina. A uh, teenage witch. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know what? The thing that I like about this show, and I've talked about this a lot, is the fact that it makes uh, witchcraft a very fun and engaging pop culture topic. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but over the last couple months, I think uh, uh, there's been a lot more content coming out that is occult-themed, especially in the major streaming channels. Absolutely. Uh, and I think Sabrina probably captured that the most. Uh, you did have... A couple things drop on Netflix recently, like The Order, uh, something I'm definitely interested in checking out. And we'll uh, probably review on here, so stay tuned. Yeah, exactly. Uh, whether or not it is awful, I am not sure. Uh, we also had, oh gosh, I'm blanking on the name here, but it was that spooky baking show. Uh, did you see that one that came out over the Halloween yeah, season? Yeah, I saw that one. I didn't get to, to watch it, but I saw it advertised, and I, it was it piqued my interest. You know, I watched about three or four episodes of it. It is delightful. Uh, hmm. I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head, and I'm sure that that's terrible for a podcast host to admit on the air, but <laughs> eh, fuck it. Who cares? No one really <laughs> listens to this This is anyway. Sabrina Cast, not Spooky Bacon Cast. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and, oh my gosh, it's just there just seems to be so much engagement around it right now. I think it's the support for it, really. Like yeah. I know... There's definitely been a lot of talk in the beginning. They're like, why are you going with this route with Sabrina? Like, you've already seen, you know, in the late 90s or mid 90s, really, you saw the original version of Sabrina, you know, skyrocket popularity because uh-huh. she was accessible. She was very much to modern sensibilities at the time. You know, there was some occult mm-hmm. themes, there were some occult things to it, but it was like sanitized almost. Yeah, it was like a wholesome family view to it. Yep. And uh, one of the things that I like about the new Sabrina is. If you th- if you really peel it back, there are still some very wholesome family themes to it. They're just oh, a yeah. different religion than everybody else is, <laughs> aside from the horrible travesty that is the feast episode, which I have a lot of negative opinions about. Yeah, uh, that still remains to be my least favorite episode of the entire series. But hey, guess what? We're going to be talking about my second to least favorite episode <laughs> of the entire series, which is the Solstice episode. So buckle up, everybody. Oh, boy. Here we go. Here come the opinions, everybody. So, Nick, uh, what, you know, right before we get into discussing it, what was your big, uh, what, what is your general opinion of the Solstice episode? I'd like to hear that. Overall, I liked the inclusion of the Yule Lads. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a really cool kind of nod to something that I know not a lot of people really pay attention to. And it was something that I remember when we did, I think it was Christmas 20... 2017. Yeah, yeah, we talked about Grylla yep, and the Yule Lads. We talked about Grylla and the Yule Lads, and I thought that was such a cool story even then. So to hear you know them kind of like bring that into bring it to prominence and make it such a central piece of the episode, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, you know, I'm right there with you. You've got the demon Bartell, which is neat unto itself. He's kind of like a Krampus figure. I mean, fuck, he looks exactly like Krampus. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you have Gryla and the Yule Lads. Those are two really unique, spooky things that were introduced in the Solstice episode uh, as being part of the continued universe of Sabrina, uh, which I'm really excited about because... That shows that not only do you have like American folklore in the show, but you also have European folklore influences. Yep. Now, do I think that the episode was terrible? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it was necessarily terrible. I still loved it and watched it like three times. Uh, now, I can I can say this because I I, I love the series, right? Uh, and I can find fault with things that I like. I mean, it's and, really like pizza or sex. Like there is yeah, exactly bad, you know, of each, right? But 
you're still having pizza or sex. Maybe both. Maybe it, both. I don't, I'm not going to judge you, man. One than the other. You know, live your best life, really. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that being said, uh, I do have a, a lot of stuff to talk about with this, and I hope you guys are ready to hear a dissection on the Solstice episode. And if not, just go ahead and close the app, go to Twitter, uh-huh. leave us a review, and I'll delete it. Yeah, exactly, because we don't pay attention to negative criticism. This is the 2019, <laughs> and we choose to consume the reviews that we want, okay? Block the haters. Yeah. 2008 is back in a big way. That's right. If you don't like it, you can go straight to hell. <laughs> Which in this show is a positive thing. It's like saying, I hope you make it to heaven. Exactly. I can't wait to see you in hell, Brad. I can't I can't wait to see you in hell, Nick. I'll be there with the rest of my family. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that being said, let's dive right in. Uh, so, the Solstice episode opens with a flashback of uh, Sabrina and little Susie in a department store. Uh, which, by the way, they had fucking fantastic casting on the two children that were Susie, uh, Susie and Sabrina. I don't know if you noticed that, but my God, whoever was running casting over there at Sabrina, good on you. You should get a raise. That no, was that was on. absolutely phenomenal. Much like Kiernan Shipka really did look like uh-huh. the daughter of Don Draper and oh, absolutely, whatever January Jones character yeah, right? was. <laughs> um, yeah, young Sabrina, absolutely like. I swear to God, it just probably is her little sister. Yeah, it, it could have been her little sister, and I'm blown away by that. And the actor that plays Susie, that one, spot on as a child, too. Yep. I like the continuing of how Susie dresses also as a child. Solid con- continuation. Absolutely. Now, there is one thing that I will point out that I was bl- like baffled by, and as someone that has watched every episode about three times now, I, I got to say this is either a fault of my own or a fault of the writers here, because I'm not 100% on this. But did you notice that Aunt Hilda says, uh, what does she say? Uh, We pray to Satan that everything works out to Susie's dad. She says that directly to him. And it's like, he completely is like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know. know No, yeah, big Satan guy here. (laughs) What the fuck? I don't know about you, but we worship Satan in this house. Right. Where I'm very prejudiced against my clearly trans child. (laughs) That's bizarre, right? Like, is that a continuity error? Or is, like, what is going on with that? I can't tell if it's a continuity error or if it's kind of like a really... Is that a foreshadow? Like, maybe, like, Susie's dad knows... Either that, or I think it's just kind of a nobody cares. Like, nobody's really paying attention when the others talk, because it's almost like a meaningless platitude. It's the thoughts and prayers of their world. And anytime anybody says it to me, I just kind of go, okay, thanks, bye. Yeah. (laughs) That's true. I didn't think of it like that, because all that I was doing was internally screaming as, is this this a continuity error? He's not like them, is he? Is he? He is. is. Did I miss something? I know I've watched a lot of this, but what is going on? Am I taking fucking crazy pills? Yes, but that's only to enhance the the viewing. So that was uh, that opens the episode. By the way, mm-hmm. is what I think may be a continuity error. So check it out and then let us know what you think. Is yeah. it a continuity error? You tell us. Follow us on Twitter at Go Folk Podcast. <laughs> yeah, and if you think Brett's full of shit, go ahead rewatch the whole fucking thing, and you're gonna see that that is probably a continuity error. Probably a pretty glaring one too, because they're usually pretty buttoned up about that in public. Yeah. Exactly, except for the one time back in the 90s, I assume, where fucking Aunt Hilda is talking to the prejudiced father of Susie in a public department store. (laughs) Satan bless you. What? I said, 
Jesus. <coughs> Nothing. Jesus. <laughs> Nailed God. Bless you. Oh, thank you. Merry Christmas to you, too. <laughs> so Because it's uh, the 90s before the libtards got rid and sanitized the holidays. Exactly. And we could say things like Merry Christmas. You're you welcome. Know? You're welcome, America. So that was the first thing that I had an issue with. And uh, it was like an immediate, good job, casting. Bad job writing. <laughs> like within about forty-five seconds of one another. Yeah, it was very much a whiplash. Yeah, I, my head still hurts from spinning on that one. Uh, but other than that, uh, there's a lot of things that I do like about the episode. There's also still more to come that I don't like. Yeah. Uh, the next thing that I wanted to talk about is uh, things they got right. So sure. Um, as as you know, Nick, I love talking about interior design and costuming. Uh, as <laughs> as the only two, I was going to say, <laughs> as the two gayest members of our podcast, <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> Let's break down the costuming fabrics. Fabrics, mixed fabrics or not? Mm, uh, you know, it depends on the character, actually. Right. Let's get to that in just a second because I <laughs> want to talk about the holiday decor of the Spellman household. Uh, by the way. Phenomenal. Whoever designed that, you should get a raise. You should be up there with the casting person that found those two children that look remarkably similar to the current actors. Uh, but did you notice how wonderfully Victorian it was? Uh, that was exactly what I thought while rewatching yeah. it. I just kind of looked around and said, like, I know they're supposed to be several hundred years old. Right. And it was just flawlessly Victorian. Yeah, and that it makes sense being that Hilda and Zelda are, you know, we they're of, of an indeterminate age, right? Mm-hmm. Because the in the universe being a, a practicing witch means that your aging slows down. So, who it's not to say that they may not be, you know, 80 or 90 years old, and the show itself does take place in a timeless period. So, we're not really sure what time this necessarily happens They in. definitely do that kind of Riverdale-esque yeah. time warpiness. And, I mean, it makes sense. It's it's in line with the comics because even now, if you pick up a standard mainline Archie comic, uh-huh. he's driving his, like, 40s jalopy, right. but then he'll pick up his iPhone or something. So yeah. it's, it's deliberately, you know, kind of extemporaneous, so you right. can't really place it. And I kind of dig that. One of the things, too, that I've noticed about the series is that there's a very little use of technology in it. Mm-hmm. Like, have you noticed that? Like, the characters, they may have, they do have cell phones, but you, they don't use them very often, and they don't get screen time. They don't have, yeah. they're not on laptops a lot. And a lot of the um, interior shots of, like, their schools is very extemporaneous as well. Uh, especially like the academy and then the high school that uh, uh, Sabrina and her friends attend in Greendale, it could be literally out of any time period yep. in like the 20th century. Uh, so it's kind of neat that it's like in this little time bubble unto itself, which is very well done. I think also the Archie show Riverdale mm-hmm. uh, also kind of does this right too. Um, the thing that I really like about specifically the Spellman household over the holidays is that the Victorian feel blends into this like weird eclectic goth feeling yep. that they have in their home. Absolutely, but they also have a lot of like mid mid century stuff in the house. Have you seen like specifically that? like Sabrina's areas tend to do that a lot? She yeah. gives off a very sixties vibe, which yeah, is exactly. in line with her character. So a lot of her stuff, and I think it's kind of meant 
really to juxtapose her to her aunts. Right. Um, specifically, because Ambrose also kind of is in this like nebulous field. He's so. like 60s mod feeling yep. to me, at least. Like, in the way that he dresses with like his che- like Chelsea boots and like fitted pants and kind of flowy shirts. Uh, comes across as to me like very. All right, before we get all hot and bothered. For okay, Ambrose. okay, I got to stop on that one. <laughs> <laughs> He's by far the coolest character on the show. Uh, other, I don't know. Mrs. I have a soft spot for Mrs. Wardwell. Uh, Mrs. Wardwell well. is a really cool character, but I think you're right. I think from a relatability standpoint and everything else, like Ambrose is. The warlock I want to play right. in D and D. Oh my like, god, me too. He's got that bardic style of just like he's just an incessant swagger. Yeah, but he's smart. Like he is really intelligent. He doesn't make a lot of missteps in the show. Right, and you see that. Like I don't. Even, I can't even think of really one misstep he actually makes. Uh, he does give some kind of like bad natured advice every now and then right. uh, to Sabrina, but usually, but it's, in the older cousin way, right? I feel. Yeah, like, hey, you should try this. And then, like, he kind of doesn't want to participate yeah. because he knows that he shouldn't be doing right. that. Uh, but he wants to at least let her have the freedom of choice to decide what she wants to do. Mm-hmm. Um, Almost a Promethean figure, really, in a lot of ways. Yeah, kind of. I mean, he's the only one that actually really teaches her new things um, outside of the Academy. Man, I didn't really even think about that until the words came out of my right? mouth. <laughs> yeah, he's, like, she learns more from Ambrose and it's interesting. She learns more about the dark side of witchcraft from mm-hmm. Ambrose, but she learns a lot about the light side of witchcraft from Aunt Hilda. Uh, I'd say so. Which we'll touch on in a little bit because <laughs> I've got some thoughts on her too as my probably third favorite character. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, the um, the actual feel, I think you you really nail it. That mod style yeah. really does apply to Ambrose and Sabrina because I mean, uh-huh. that's how she always dressed. Right. She's got that, that platinum blonde, like, like now Bob, Bob kind yeah. of thing going on. Um, which really works for me, but that's another episode. <laughs> <laughs> she's also, uh, she has that kind of like mod preppy collegiate feel. Yep, to very her, co-ed. Yeah, exactly. And that just smacks of Americana. She's like 60s American Americana in her wardrobe. Absolutely. And then Ambrose is like, 60s, 70s, like British mod, yep. like uh, I don't like know, what a the, chav, kinda. Ch- no, not he's really, not chav, not chav because he's, he's too cool to be a chav. That's true. I'll give you that. I'll, I'll re- <laughs> redact that comment. <laughs> he's too hip for that. Uh, he's they're both incredibly hip. But anyway, back to the interior for just right. a second. Uh, I noticed this in this episode because I was actually paying attention and taking notes. Uh, we definitely didn't text about it last night. So no, please definitely look not. for these things. <laughs> Have you ever paid attention to the kitchen of the Spellman household? The kitchen almost, again, is to me at least when I look at it, it almost feels different than the rest of the house. Oh, farmhousey almost. Like right? farmhouse. It's, the furniture is farmhousey. Mm-hmm. But have you looked at the appliances? Not really. If I had to take a guess, like kind of like recreating it from memory, probably a lot of like Hobarty style 50s appliances. Yeah, very much so. Like enameled 50s yep. appliances that are all turquoise and like seafoam green. <laughs> so they <laughs> just, just raided my cabinets <laughs> right. and my wife's going to find out <laughs> shortly. <laughs> Which is interesting because like the rest of the house is uh, very, it has like a Victorian eclectic flair to it, but then you get into the kitchen and it's like, Modern farmhouse meets mm. 1950s, and I think that that is fucking perfect. It really is. <laughs> because the one that's in the kitchen primarily is Hilda. Who is very, like, if the rest of the house, you know what it reminds me of, really? What's that? It's, it's that couple that says, like, okay, look, 
I want to do all the decorating, but I'll give you a couple rooms that I know you <laughs> yes, love to participate absolutely. in. So it's like when we get our new house, um, which will be our new studio eventually, I'll get to design the studio, how it's going to look for recording and everything. And the kitchen, the right. two places I use the most. Exactly, and then you're, and then <laughs> Brent's going to do, do everything, everything else. else. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's pretty obvious that Zelda has decorated the entirety oh, yeah. of the Spellman Mortuary, including their previously shared bedroom. Right, which is weird. Oh, by yeah, that's another that's episode. a whole different thing. But <laughs> <laughs> or later this episode, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but the the kitchen and like the greenhouse. Is one hundred percent Hilda, mm-hmm. and what's interesting, and I'll go ahead, I'll just go ahead and talk about this because we're sure. already on this vein here. But one of the things that I like about Hilda's character that I didn't pick up on my first, second, or third rewatching, and didn't <laughs> really realize until last night, uh, is that a lot of Hilda's magic is like kitchen witchcraft. Did you pick up on that? Very like, Molly Weasley. Yeah, when I definitely. Was thinking about it, um, like her, uh, her whole deal in this episode is. Uh, magic eggnog that yep. makes uh, Harvey's father forget that he's a fucking horrible alcoholic, uh, which is terrible, and I hate Harvey, and I hate his dad and his whole family. Just let's uh, throw the whole Kinkle family really, into uh, that mine, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> I wish that they would have all died in the mine. <laughs> that would have been way better. Uh, and then uh, the second thing that she makes is a uh, sh- magic shortbread that makes yep. Susie's problematic and transphobic father uh, forget that <laughs> she was 12 missing. hours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that she had been abducted by a demon that wanted to, uh, excuse me, they had been abducted by a demon that wanted to turn them into a fixture. Um, yeah, super creepy. But anyway, uh, both of her things uh, that she does in this episode are all in kitchen oriented. And looking back across the rest of the series, the majority of the stuff that she does is kitchen related. She is very maternal. Yeah. Like if maternal magic is a thing, right. that's Hilda encapsulated in two words. Absolutely. And um, that's why I think a lot of the like positive, lighter side of things comes from Hilda. Mm-hmm. Um, because her stuff is all like home related. And that's really yeah. nice, I think. So you've got like the, the whole sp- like Spellman family dynamic. And sp- when I'm saying Spellman, I'm talking about the living ones that are in the Spellman mortuary. Right. You've got Zelda who is a accomplished midwife and also very obviously well researched uh, like witch because I don't know if you've ever picked up on this, but as she's reading papers, they're all in different languages, first mm-hmm. of all. So she's obviously a polyglot. And that one actually <laughs> took me until my second watch through to pick up. Yeah. Because and that was only because I had watched the original series or started right. in between them. Yeah. So as I looked at the comparisons between the two, and this is not a comparison episode, though it could be if we wanted it to. In the comparisons between the two Zeldas, 90s Zelda is very sweet compared uh-huh. to this Zelda. Oh, like you absolutely. know that the current Zelda cares very deeply, but it's it's different because original Aunt Zelda is very caring, but very almost divorced from a lot of things. Like, she's very good at being logical. Right. And that was her whole shtick. Like, she was logical, she was well-researched, and she could speak to whatever she kind of needed to in the moment, whether it was a scientific article or right. or a historical thing or whatever. She provided a lot of that, like, left brain... Right. You know, kind of like, here's the things you need to know. Right. And then rewatching, you know, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, 
I saw that and I didn't catch it the first time around, but it's different now. It's yeah. not necessarily overtly I care about you and I'm giving you this information or whatever. It's just it's very much kind of fades into the background to set this layer of like well-read, buttoned-up Aunt Zelda. Right, and she's very detached from the rest of them, mm-hmm. but obviously very much cares. And you have to kind of like really pay attention to Zelda to get her character development over yep. the series. Um, but the the fact that her like caring for her family is actually her defining characteristic. Um, she just doesn't express it in the same way as everyone else does. I think it really is actually captured in the Solstice episode. Yeah, and you get that a lot in this episode. After the seance. Yeah. When, you know, she goes up to Sabrina, and she's, like, actually hurt. She's like, why didn't you tell me you wanted to do this? And Sabrina's like, I don't know, I didn't think you'd help me. And she goes, you're you're Sabrina. She goes, and that's my my sister-in-law. She goes, I would absolutely do that to help yeah, you guys. And like, she, like, and that's, like, one of a really humanizing thing. Like, the whole, like... Letitia storyline mm-hmm. with Zelda really seeks to like humanize her more as a character. I and agree. then the um like that particular scene uh after the seance shows and you can see it in her face too, whenever she sees um Diana's mm-hmm. ghost for the first time. It's and not, she's like she's it's not hurt. anger, she's hurt. Yeah. yeah, she's hurt that she wasn't included in it, which yep. is um really good writing. Oh yeah. So that's what's funny is a lot of the the things that I like about the Solstice episode are like, there are some really fucking good writing points, yeah. but you have to look for them. No, you have to and, dig. And the, the things that are bad about the Solstice episode are also in the writing. It was like, that was kind of what, what bothered me about it, because the first time I watched it, I kind of left and I went, eh. huh. <laughs> <Me> yeah. <too. laughs> and then I watched it again and I went, okay, there's gems here, but like, I don't know, I thought it was a really odd note to put their hiatus on. Yeah, Not me hiatus, too. however they want to word it, but still, it was it just it felt weird. It was a very flat note in an otherwise pretty good symphony. Yeah, I agree because like the the first run part one chilling adventures is fucking fantastic. Oh yeah, uh, there's a, there's some stumbles in there. Not gonna lie, feast uh, feast obviously <laughs> disorder in the court disorder in the oh, court. Just, that was the wait. campiest thing. I laughed. <laughs> But it was not a healthy laugh. It, no, was, like, it was like I was uncomfortable, <laughs> and I was like, so "Okay, stupid. I see what you're doing. Please stop." <laughs> right, and the the but for the majority of it, I'd say like ninety percent of it, I'm like easily. It, obviously, I like it a lot. I've watched it fucking three times now. <laughs> uh, and the uh, the Solstice episode was definitely like a. It was a build up, build up, build up, build up season finale, which is fucking excellent. Yeah, if they just stopped and, there, I would have been okay. Right, and then you get this like. Point five, like season one point five yep. episode, and it's it's definitely a point five. Oh yeah, if you get what I'm saying, like yep, absolutely, uh, because it doesn't like it's it's kind of like a okay, those I'm okay. It's the Star Wars Christmas special of Sabrina, uh, yeah, and which is unfortunate because they could have done so much cool stuff with yep. it, um, and to a certain extent they did do a lot of cool stuff with it, but uh, a lot of it was to beat you over the head. And I mm-hmm. think where the show shines is the subtlety to it. Yeah. And the the, the Solstice episode kind of lacked that um, as, like, the main plot points. And they kind of, like, went too hard into, like, oh, let's find uh, fucking everything that's Solstice-related that's spooky. Yeah. And we'll just do that. Uh, but that It really was it, actually, oh. like, no, you're okay. The um, The pacing, I think, is what did that for me. Because it would go from, like moving quick, something's happening, and then it was like, hit the brakes and stop, and you're just kind of like, 
in a transition scene, and I found myself like actually daydreaming and then coming needing to come back to it what, because eventually it would pick back up. Yeah. What I uh, what what's funny is I think that the um, the transition scenes actually shone brighter than the entirety of the rest of it. You're not really wrong. It was a lot of those, particularly the Sabrina Ambrose ones, that did a lot of it. Right. But. Um, yeah, it just some like the some of the main ones did leave you with that kind of like unfinished feeling. Yeah, and some of the other ones, I found it was some of those that like the the big scenes where I kind of found myself drifting a little bit. Yeah, me too. It, fe- it was supposed to be big. You had like like the the one when Diana shows up and Gryla and they're all in the house. Right. I'm kind of like waiting because it was like a long drawn out thing, and I'm like. What are you trying to say? And then it something would happen, and you'd hear something subtle from Hilda or Zelda. Right. And that was where I went, okay. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, there's your payoff. <laughs> and it's weird that that was the payoff, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I feel like the big payoffs in this episode was really understanding the family dynamics more, because um, I think that's what really shined to me. Which, no. I mean, I guess, looking back, it's a Christmas episode, you know? Right, yeah, day, exactly. And it would make sense that that's the case. But they didn't really bill it that way. You yeah, had I know. to find it for yourself. Right. And, um, like, well, let's just go ahead and talk about the main points then. Sure. Um, so, Gryla, as a plot point, was terrible, I think. Yeah. Uh, because um, what's interesting is that they've brought in a European folklore figure from, like, Scandinavia mm-hmm. uh, to the U.S. And, first of all, the costuming and makeup of Gryla, great. Fucking loved it. Really Aside well from done. like the weird purse that she carries for some reason. That's where she puts her kids. <laughs> I guess. And the inclusion of something like minor folklore related in the Yule Lads and Gryla, super good. Yep. I good on you for digging that up, writers of Sabrina. Uh but the way that they wrote Gryla was just lacking. Yeah. Because uh first of all, uh it's a Scandinavian myth. I would expect the actor to have a Scandinavian you accent. Didn't like Trailer Park, right? Yeah. <laughs> My kids over here again. Fuck, get those you. Come on, boy. Get, get, get out. Get out of here, boy. Come on. <laughs> but it was it was really weird uh, because, like, I, I know that they explain it as it being a an American witch, but that's really and which is like it's their own interpretation yeah. of it. I mean, a lot but, of the show is an interpretatory thing. Yeah, exactly. So I get it. Like that's their prerogative to do, but it felt. It would have been forced almost. It would have been stronger, I think, if they had kept the Scandinavian influence to it, and they could have really explored like the importation of European folklore to America in a oh, yeah. really interesting way, and they just didn't. Which I get. I get it. You got an hour ten, right? Right. Uh, but. One, that's only like one scene of exposition, yeah, which they fucking did. Yeah, it, <laughs> they did an exposit like an expository scene for her, anyways. Right, exactly. But they like hand waved it. Right, it was weird. Yeah, it was like, oh yeah, you know, Gryla, you know, Gryla, right? Yeah. And everybody kind of went, like, no, yes. uh, yeah, like sure, yeah, maybe if I have like, to. Yeah, sure, whatever. She does Christmas or something? Okay, whatever. Yeah. Just keep going. And but, that's kind of <laughs> what it had to be. You're like, I don't have time to dwell on it because something probably happened and yeah. you just went, well, fuck, I just missed that scene. Well, it's because there was like three storylines that were like all interwoven because you've got the seance, you've yep. got the Gryla, uh, which I guess is a, a portion of the seance scene. Mm-hmm. But anyway, like, and then you have the Bartell demon with Susie. So, first of all, big pro like love the makeup and the practical effects for the Bartell demon. Yes, but very well done there. 
obviously the fucking Bartell demon was a European thing because he also spoke with a European accent. Yeah, so why couldn't they give it to Ryla? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They're just like, because, and that's all it took for them. They literally just said, you know, Mr. Bartell, wait. And then like, I forget, Zelda pipes up and she's like, wait, did you say Bartell, like Bartell the demon? Yeah, he's a demon that does these things. He steals kids and everybody went... He's a Germanic oh. demon that steals kids. And then he, when he talks to Susie, he has a fucking Germanic accent. <laughs> so It would have taken that much explaining <laughs> to say, yes, Gryla is also European. You see now why they cross over? Right. And then we all would have went, yeah. Yeah, I get it. I they get would it. know each other. <laughs> They're <laughs> from the same spooky Christmas neighborhood. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that, being, that being said, the... Uh, the what I what I like about the Solstice episode mm-hmm. is that it's a return to the spooky Christmas tale. Yep. Which, you know, like Christmas being popularized by, you know, like the Dickensian, like Victorian era uh, England. Which uh, we will fully which, admit we love too. We just did an episode on it. Exactly. That was a fucking spooky story. It yeah. was a story about death and ghosts. And, and what's that, more Victorian than a ghostly Christmas story? Yeah, exactly. So it did have those elements to it. So it's great because it ties in like this whole Victorian feel of the Spellman household with the Victorian, you know, ghost story. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of fell a little flat for me in terms of that. But there, there's some stuff that I still really liked about there's it. There's a lot to like about the episode. I think the only thing that really just gets me is I feel like they try to do too much because not only did they have those main storylines that you mentioned, uh-huh. but then there's so much other stuff going on in the background. Yeah. Why can't Ambrose, you know, why is he being tormented by the Yule Lad or whoever it was? And then you've got the Harvey Sabrina storyline going on at the same time. Right. Then you've got, you know, Rosie's thing, like, just kind of popping up. She's, like, got her own shit to deal with. And I felt like with a lot of those really small storylines... I don't have enough time to devote to you right now, so I just don't care. Because I was yeah. trying to pay attention to the seance that was forced, and now all of a sudden she's friends with the weird sisters. Right, yeah, which is weird. Yeah, like, I I get it, and I like it. And like we said, there's a lot to like about it. Uh-huh. It's just there's a lot of weird notes on this episode. The The seance scene was really cool. Mm-hmm. Like, the inclu- like, I feel like they just tried to include as many of the characters that people liked as possible I agree. in this in the episode. Um, I'm glad that the weird sisters did make an impression, or like, a, you know, somewhat of an impression in this right. one. Because uh, I love it when they get screen time. Uh, <laughs> their their costuming is always just fucking on point, and their makeup is always on fucking point. They're just powerful goth figures <laughs> in the Sabrina. You'll universe. see how we feel about makeup when we do our RuPaul episode. Right? I oh yeah, I can't wait. Uh, speaking of makeup, I I did notice this in the rewatch, my most recent rewatch of the Solstice episode. I didn't pick up on this in the first two. Uh, Sabrina's makeup darkens. After her signing in the dark in the uh, Book of the Beast. Cool. I yeah. thought I noticed that, but I normally don't pay enough attention to makeup to notice yeah. that. Like, I just remember looking at her. I'm like, she looks a older, right? And b more. She just felt a little darker. And I yeah, think that's probably why it was probably a thicker eyeliner, more mascara the, kind of deal. Darker the eye and yeah. the lips. Yep. And her wardrobe coloration is more like muted, darker colors. Now. Oh, for sure. And uh, which is that's and it a helps good... with the contrast with her hair because it makes it even more starkly dark. I, exactly, and you can really see the difference there. Um, the again, good on you, everybody that does makeup and costume <laughs> design for the show. Like you're, we're you're gonna thank you the in the ads. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the things that I, some of the other stuff that I think went really well 
in the episode again they're background things yeah but the uh the yule incantation that they deliver is fucking incredibly well written mm-hmm. uh may the log burn may the wheel turn may the evil spurn and may the sun return these are all great witchy things Whoever is writing these parts, these parts, you obviously know what you're doing. Very so much good so. for you. Yeah, <laughs> like I've you, never seen a show like this uh-huh. where I felt they had probably pulled in a subject matter expert. Like I swear they went to like R slash Pagan and they're right. like, "Hey, can one of you help us write this?" Yeah, and what's funny is a lot of times the because uh, I I do frequent the Pagan and Polytheist subreddits, and it's it's <laughs> funny because it's like a 50-50 divide of either, I fucking hate this, it's the worst show yeah. ever, and like, I fucking love it, it's the best show that's <laughs> ever been made. And I'm in the I'm in the, the good camp on right. this one. Uh, but a lot of I'm the, on the right side of history yeah, exactly. here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot of the issues that they, it's funny because a lot of the issues that people in the like polytheist and occult communities have with the show is like, oh, they beat you over the head with everything. And it's like, you they have, have to. to. It's a show. Like, come on. Like, they're. Do you expect, like, you know, Diana from Iowa to be like, oh, yeah, Gryla, that's really cool that they included her? Right. No, she's not going to know that. Exactly. And, like, a lot of the pro, like, they have a lot of problem. Like, the ones that do have problems with it within the community are like, oh, it gives witchcraft a bad name. It does it? Does it? Yeah. Not really. That's it's. She's the hero of the show. She's right. not. You know. She uses her powers like primarily for good, uh, and the other characters that are on the show are all about like protecting their 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 created family yeah. and uh, protecting their community. And like this whole episode is about protecting their fucking household. <laughs> and exactly like what could be more of a of a holiday story than saying. I'm trying to protect my family and my house from right. evil stuff. Exactly. Like, they make a difference between what they do and then the rest of the, like, I guess, witchcraft world at large within the universe as being like, hey, there's a clear designation here. There's us, and then there's everything else that's bad that we need to protect ourselves from, like the mom's purgatory thing. Yeah. Like, that's obviously bad, right. and they don't want to end up there. Like, there's not, like, I don't know. I don't. I don't take it to be negative. I think that... The ones that are taking it as like negative are focusing too much on like the Satan aspect of it, which is hilarious. Not to mention it's kind of gatekeepy. It is. It's very gatekeepy. And I think that, you know, like um, when you when you look at things like that got people into like modern witchcraft, like the original Sabrina series, that's a gateway. The Absolutely. Things like the craft that was yep. big in the '90s, like these things came out at the same time. There was a big, res- there was a big uh, resurge in popularity in like the occult, and I'm sure that Sabrina is doing that for a whole new generation of people that are like younger teens. Yeah, and that's great. I'm glad that that's happening. But and I know I, that I'm off my soapbox now. I'm not trying to keep people out of here. <laughs> trying to get keep people into it. Yeah, exactly. I'm opening the gate. Please come inside. We have refreshments. It's mostly magic eggnog. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know what? One of the things they also did that I really like in this is uh, them set using bright solstice as their yeah. their holiday greeting of choice. That's perfect. It was fantastic. I'm, I've always wanted to find something that I like as much as Happy Holidays or when I was a Christian, Merry Christmas. Or even, I love what do it. we normally say? Like usually we we joke around on the Twitter. We usually say like Merry Yule, you know. Yeah, exactly. And even that that feels weird. It has like a downward sloping sound. Yeah. So it doesn't sound happy. But Bright Solstice, 
makes me feel good just to say it. Exactly. And what I like about it is it can be secular. Mm-hmm. It can be religious. Yeah. Either one. Because it's a fucking solstice holiday special. Right. I love it. And I've 100% adopted that into my personal vocabulary. So It's going to go on my, my signature at work. I'm sure <laughs> I won't get fired. Signature. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is there uh, anything that you feel like I missed here? Um, so far, I feel uh, like we probably dissected the story more than the writers did at this probably point. Probably so. Uh, the uh, oh, there's one, one other thing that I uh, wanted to talk about it for a second. Is it Harvey? Uh, Are we gonna dig into Harvey? I want to end on Harvey because I fucking hate Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a couple other um, costuming things I wanted to touch on, and some things that I that I like that I didn't like. But let me let me Perfect. focus on something that I don't like. Sure. And this is about like the seance area. Okay. Um. So casting people, you did a fantastic job in finding child Sabrina, child Susie. What the fuck were you thinking when you casted someone way the fuck older than uh, Diana Sawyer Spellman? She's supposed to be like twenty years old. Yeah. When she dies, <laughs> like. She has Sabrina right out of high school, pretty much. And I get that Edward would be older with right. how witchcraft works. Yeah. But you've casted someone in their 40s to play someone that would be in their early 20s, maybe late teens, at the very least. I'll give them the benefit <laughs> of the doubt and say 21. Right. But that was still not, this is not, you know, RIP Luke Perry. This right. is not Luke Perry in 90210 where it's a 25-year-old playing an 18-year-old. Right. This is, like you said, it's a 40-year-old right. playing a 20-something. Yeah. And it did not. It was weird. It was weird. And, but the, uh, the whole inclusion of Diana in it could have been so much more touching than it actually was. The payoff was very low for it. Yeah. Especially later on when she reappears in the house. Right. And you know what's the worst thing about the appearance of Diana Sawyer Spellman? What? The heartstring tug isn't from Sabrina. No, it's not, not from Diana. It's not from Hilda. It's from fucking Zelda. Like the absolute <laughs> bump on a log like right. earlier in the show. <laughs> and it's like, and you, you brought this one up earlier, but mm. seriously, that's like the heartstring tug of the whole episode. Yeah. And that should, like, there was just a missed opportunity there. Absolutely. The, it was like they set it up, like they put the ball on the tee, and they're like, here you go, kid, knock it out of the park. And then he just shits his pants. <laughs> 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 Here, I'll, I'll get onto my Harvey soapbox for a second. Uh, here, I'll turn the lights. Here you go. Turn you. the lights off, everybody. Uh, hey, writers of Sabrina, right? So when you have an angsty teenager that uh, is an orphan living with her aunts, and she goes so far as to disable the protective magical measures of her house to, I don't know fucking call up the spirit of her dead mother who she identifies with and thinks is the only person in the world that could possibly understand her. Don't have her have the only question to her be about how do I deal with my fucking high school boyfriend? And even if you do, (laughs) even if we're going to go so far as to say like, well, yeah, and I think Hilda mentions it, like what teenager doesn't want to talk to their mom after a breakup or Amber right. says it somebody. It doesn't fucking matter. The problem is like, sure, you want to go that route and ask the question? Okay. Don't have the second part be him just fucking throwing dirt in your face. <laughs> exactly. Like that was just, it was like, first of all, her mother is dead. Yeah. She is a ghost. They have conjured her ghost. And you think the whole episode is going to be like, 
She wants to talk to her mom for for the solstice. Yeah. And that's beautiful. That's sad. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, Mom, your ghost is here. Let me ask you about my cunt boyfriend, Harvey, <laughs> <laughs> who is shitty to me all the time. What do you think? Do you get me? Ugh. Of course she gets you, Sabrina. She did the same thing, and it didn't work very well. Yeah, she <laughs> married her cunt boyfriend, had you, and then died, died. as a result. So you don't even need to ask her about Her that. mom's just going to nod and go, yeah. Well, yeah, it didn't work. Don't do it. Don't do it. What the fuck, Sabrina? You know, I wanted to talk to you about everything else in the world. I have like... How did puberty go? Right. Are you ready to be a witch? (laughs) Yeah. What do you want to be when you grow up or don't grow up because witches or something? Tell me what you like. I I like Harvey. Can you fix this? I never got (laughs) to know what... And I will never get to know what you as an adult like. The one thing as a ghost that I probably want to know about my fucking stupid kid (laughs) is what are they like as an adult? Because I never got to experience that. And the question you ask me is, does my cunt boyfriend Harvey (laughs) like me? (laughs) I don't know who fucking Harvey is, Sabrina. I'm dead. I've been dead for like 18 years. God damn it. (laughs) It was so bad. Like Harvey in the original series is an absolute angel. He's clueless. He's a little dumb. And you know what? That's great. It made Sabrina shine in the original series, and it gave them an opportunity to have a really good dynamic. Agreed. It was a perfect TV coupling. Like, we're talking better than Archie and Veronica. Yes. Because Veronica's just a pinup at this point. That's another episode. Whole Um, different topic there. But yeah, this Harvey, it's like... He was just following Sabrina for no reason whatsoever. Like, you don't get the sense of history between the two of them. Right. Like, they're supposed to have been friends since they were, like, what, three? Yeah. And instead, it's like, no, I just met you, and my mommy doesn't like you, and I can't hang out with you anymore. Bye. Yeah. And the whole Harvey dynamic is boring. It's boring TV because they're like, oh, okay, well, you know, Harvey's from a different world. His family are historically witch hunters and i guess that's interesting like it should be like how could that not be interesting (laughs) at the first part and then they make it boring how do you make being a witch hunter boring i know maybe that's season two that's maybe that's gotta be season two plot focus because he knows that she's a witch he rejects her at the uh solstice sorry spoilers i guess yeah I guess this whole episode should have had yeah, a spoiler really. tag on it. We're gonna we're gonna put that later on. Yeah. And we'll just have Victor throw it at the beginning, <laughs> and he'll fucking ignore it. And just every time it's every gonna time. fall right here. I'm just gonna put it here. Just re- you know, think about it earlier. Uh, <laughs> hey, this episode's gonna be full of spoilers. We're talking about Sabrina and the Solstice episode. If you haven't seen it yet, go ahead and watch it, and then come just back and listen to this. Don't listen to this because it won't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like the whole Harvey dynamic is just terrible like he is not very nice to her ever ever he's not very open with her he's very closed off i get that he's supposed to be like oh he's the tortured artist son yeah, of the blue boy and guy. yeah and i just want to feel dad yeah now, which, i don't want to feel dad you know. <laughs> that's game of thrones that's game of, different show <laughs> uh but he continuously undermines his own relationship with her. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really like he should on paper have a character dynamic of growth 
but doesn't. No. In, in and, fact, <laughs> really regression for yeah. Harvey. And I, I think you're right. That is probably going to be what the back half of season one is like. But, boy, are they starting negative. Right. And I think that the best thing that they could do with Harvey is fucking kill Harvey. <laughs> and just pretend like that doesn't happen. Honestly. And that's not going to happen. hand wave retcon it. Kill this Harvey. Bring back the 40-year-old Harvey and just have him assume the role of young Harvey, yeah. even though he's bald now. That's fine. Throw a wig on that bad boy and give, let him be Harvey. Give me someone else. Because you have, and I, I, get, I guess I get it in terms of writing, because Sabrina is a very powerful and strong character. Mm-hmm. And I guess her weakness, so to speak, is a very weak character. And I think huh. that's, uh, I get it, I guess in a writing dynamic because um the one like the one like fault line that she has is that she will protect her friends and she will protect her relationship uh yeah. with Harvey. Cuz that's but, always like the series can be boiled down to this. Many characters say Sabrina no and she shrugs and says Sabrina yes uh-huh. for something that she wants because she's very myopically focused on that goal. Right. And she says, well, I see this thread that I can put right here to get to that end goal and Uh doesn't consider the fact that there's a candle underneath it and it's going to burn the thread. Right. And it doesn't go well and it never goes well. And And then TV ensues. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I guess that's pretty much what all TV boils down to. (laughs) uh, The the whole relationship dynamic is just meh. Yeah. And like, I guess I get it that he's experienced trauma mm-hmm. and he blames um, he blames uh, Sabrina for that. But really, it didn't feel like it, it to me, though. That was the worst part. Yeah. Like, I think a good way to feel that, uh, ironically enough, the, the Raimi Spider-Man movies. Yeah. When Harry loses his dad and he finds out Pete Spider-Man and he's, you know, he's hurt by that. He's like, I can't trust you. Right. It felt real. It felt like pain, and it was a logical link together. Right. Harvey, in this case, just feels like, I don't know, I remember seeing you when my brother died, so it's your fault. Yeah, and by the way, all magic, evil. Yeah, yeah. I don't want you You brought him back, and he was a, a mean vegetable that could walk around. <laughs> <laughs> just like every episode of VeggieTales. <laughs> and, like, and he's like, oh, yeah. So um, let me let me end this episode by being like, "Hey, Sabrina, fuck you, yeah, and fuck your family, and take your fucking shitty gift back," <laughs> which is an incredible gift. That would be such a great gift. Yeah. <laughs> it it's was like, so "Hey, thoughtful. I know you have one thing that brings you joy. Here's a way to help you with it." And he's like, "Well, I don't want it. I don't I- want it. Warrior magic. Bye. Get get away from me, Sabrina." <laughs> You beautiful woman who, for some reason, <laughs> is lowering yourself to be with me. I hate you in everything that you do. So please, oh, writers man. of Netflix, kill him and bring <laughs> on literally anyone. Like Preferably whatever, so just some, give me the character named Sharvy. Sharvy, yeah. New, he can be played by the same character. That's fine. Just write Sharvy better. Yeah, just write him better. Whatever. Like he's a witch hunter. That's his deal. Yeah, he's a witch hunter from day one. Like. He's got. I want a crossbow strapped to his back in the middle of algebra class, uh just in case a witch walks in. That's his whole deal. (laughs) And he's badass, but he's on the other end of the spectrum. Yep. And they are the star-crossed lovers, and that's great TV right there. Absolutely. That's like I get this dynamic. 
Yep. This is uh, this is going to not work eventually, but uh, at some point in time, one of these two characters is going to kill each Someone's other. Someone's going to give. Someone's going to give, and it's going to be great. But maybe that's the direction it's going. Maybe, yeah. Maybe, but you wouldn't be able to tell right now. No. And in the world of things where shit gets canceled, you can't fucking play it safe for yeah. too long because you may get canceled. And really, I don't even <laughs> think this is playing it safe. I think this is them thinking it's going to be a big payoff, and they're playing with a lot of fire right now because you're right. It's Netflix, and they can't really afford to be like, I don't know, let's keep throwing shit at the wall. Yeah, exactly. Because they throw enough other shit at the wall that if they're like, you know what, hey, stuff's tanking, we're out. Yeah, they're like, hey, numbers on whatever dumb shit documentary series that we put out that doesn't cost a lot to make yeah. is pulling in bigger audiences than this, which takes a lot of money to make yeah. that we're pulling out. So you can't wait for like a fucking season three payoff for Car- Harvey to be like, oh, I'm a witch hunter now, Sabrina. Guess that everything else makes sense. Nah, you got to hit. You got to bring that in early. You want to see an example of that? Look at Sense8. I didn't yeah. watch it, but holy shit. Follow Netflix on Instagram and just read the comments once. Anytime they post about any show that's not Sense8, it is just littered with comments from people saying, bring Sense8 back. It was so good. You guys are the worst. And it was. And as somebody that was a fan of Sense8 when it was on and then still am a fan of Sense8, that was one of the most amazing pieces of television I've ever watched. Hmm. And it is one of the most diverse casts with uh, like trans characters, LGBT characters, characters of color from all over the world. It was like literally the writers of that show wanted to make a show about how global diversity is a positive thing and wow. can be seen as scary. Uh, to some people, uh, went for I think two seasons and then was canceled like inexplicably. That, yeah. I get it; it costs a lot of money to make, but my God, you had the opportunity to really deliver something incredible. They did for a very limited amount of time and then took it away. Uh, and yeah, huge mistake. I, and I, now I w- instead we just have friends a little longer. I I guess and we have Fuller House. Oh, oh, God. oh thank God for that. <laughs> thank I'm you. I'm so glad. <laughs> You know, someone in the Cameron family gets to continue proselytizing the TV. <laughs> so stupid. Well, Candace Cameron Bure, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. I still love you. <laughs> <laughs> any any other last takeaways from uh, the Solstice episode or Sabrina in general? No matter what, I know this kind of sounded like a bitch fest from us. It was. <laughs> it, was. <laughs> it was. It was rightfully deserved, and you you need to hear this Netflix. <laughs> but I'm still all in on the next half of the season. And I will be there on April 5th. I will watch this series again for the fourth time (laughs) before (laughs) April, just so I don't miss anything. And uh, I know this was a bitch fest. I get it. I don't apologize for that. Nope. Don't dangle something that as a practicing occultist and polytheist, I'm super excited about because no one else has ever done it and then sell me short on it. Like, <laughs> I get, you know, the heart's there, the mind, the spirit was willing, but the delivery was kind of meh, and I still, I want you to know, Netflix, I appreciate what you tried to do, because what you tried to do was something no one else has ever tried, Yeah, and I can't fault you for trying, but I can critique the delivery, and this comes from someone with no professional background in critique, with no leg to stand on. We just host an internet show that's... Not even popular. <laughs> <laughs> We're not even influencers. We're not even in the top ten. 
We don't have a thousand followers on Twitter yet, <laughs> but God damn it, we try. But if you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at GoFolkPodcast, where we talk about all kinds of current events, like sometimes politics, talk about Folklore Thursday a lot, hashtag Folklore Thursday, and uh, usually we'll talk about Sabrina because it's mostly just Brett and I fangirling over whatever. Hey, and you know what? You've at least got two people that are so dedicated to stupid television <laughs> that want to sit down and take Two and a half pages of notes on one episode of Sabrina. I'm not embarrassed, more confused as to how we've squeezed three episodes out of a ten episode show. (laughs) (laughs) Like we're at a like a one out of three ratio of content you've produced to content we've produced on this topic. And that's if they fine. ever make Sabrina a weekly show, we're going to have to do this full time. I know this is our whole job, and I'm okay with it. I'm fine with that. And hey, if you if you guys at Netflix want some Sabrina consultants, hey, guess you know what? Where to find us. You know where to find us. Uh, probably on Twitter, I guess. Yeah, maybe I don't know or email, whatever. Uh, anyway, just send us a letter. Our address is <laughs> Orlando, Florida. Florida. Three two eight zero four. That's us. that's the zip code for some of Orlando. Yep, that's the one where. I live for another, by the time this episode comes out, I don't. But and I, I don't currently live here either. But Dan does. Just search the entire zip code and just knock on every door and say, Dan. And then when it slams in your face, you know it's probably him. Exactly. So, guys, thank you for listening. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed our another what 45-minute ramble on At, This one's actually going just shy of an hour, depending oh on the editing and everything. Yeah. Hey, that's fantastic. We're doing so. good. We, we are making... Just the best fucking content of our lives. We're living doing, our best spooky lives. Doing the Lord's work. Talking the dark about Lord's work. Sabrina. <laughs> Satan bless us, Satan, everyone. Exactly. Great way for the episode to end. Yep. And great way for this one to end as well. Satan bless us, everyone. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, etc. And, you know, subscribe to our stuff on whatever podcast. I say it every use. week. You know what to do. You know what to do. Just do the thing. You you listen to other podcasts. Victor, play us out with spooky Victorian music. Yeah.